1: of the Christian life. Only Jesus Christ can live his life. And the good news of the gospel is that just like Jesus you couldn't save yourself and Jesus Christ went to Calvary and saved you by his grace and for his glory through his finished work at Calvary. The good news is is that when you trusted him he, simply, he did not simply give his life for you at the cross to be your substitute, redeemer. He did that, wonderful as that is, to pay for all that's wrong with you so he could forgive you all of your sins and give you a right standing before God, an absolutely complete Perfect standing in the presence of Almighty God. The doctrine is called justification, where He could declare you righteous because all of your sins have been put away, and He was He, he God made Him to be sin for us, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him, and we could have uh, a, a new identity in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. And He didn't just simply uh, make an end to sin at the cross. Where the work of where the work is done and it's finished, but he also gave us his life because he didn't simply die at Calvary. He was raised again the third day, and he gave his life for us at Calvary so that he could give his life to us when we trusted him as our Savior. And the moment you trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, you were placed into. A living oneness with Him, and your spiritual history became His spiritual history. You were in Him before you got saved. You were in Adam; in Adam, all died. In Christ, shall all be made alive. You, you, you were transferred out of Adam. Uh, that wonderful verse in Colossians thirteen, uh, where He talks about how He has translated us into the kingdom of uh, I, I, from the power of darkness into the kingdom of His dear. Son, you were translated. You were you were transferred from. You remember Enoch? The Bible says that he uh, that he walked with God, and then that he was not for God took him. And Hebrews says he was translated. <laughs> he was taken from one place and put all the way over into another place. Uh, taken from earth and put into heaven. Well, you were taken out. You and I, as when the moment we trusted Christ, were taken out of Adam and put into. Jesus Christ, a completely new location, a new position. And the new position gives us a new identity. And in Christ we have not just the forgiveness of our sins, as wonderful as that is, that's simply taking away the negative, but we have his righteousness placed to our account. That's accentuating the positive. If you've ever been in debt and uh, and owed money, and gotten to the place where you paid off all of your debt, and you were without, you were out of debt once and for all. And you you know how liberating and wonderfully relieving that feeling is to burn up the 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 mortgage payments and to burn up the the uh, the, the the debt uh, that that you have, and to be on a on a free basis from the debt. But you also know that the rent comes due the next month, and just because you got out of debt didn't mean you had any disposable income and any savings. And as wonderful as it is to get out of debt, it's that much more wonderful to all of us to also move on to having money in the bank, disposable income in the bank, savings in the bank. Uh, one financial advisor years ago that I, I heard talk about uh, uh, planning your finances, he says you ought to you should always have X number of money uh, of dollars in the bank, and he was talking about like having something like a year's income and savings. And he said, call that your attitude money. <laughs> and he, he said, keep that in the bank and how that your attitude money. And the, the point was, and the idea is, that that gives you a certain sense of liberty, that no matter what else is going on, you know you have some resources in the bank. Well, see, forgiveness is the getting out of debt. Justification is you got some resources in the bank. And that's wonderful. And uh, you find out that Jesus Christ, through the cross work, forgave you your sins in his resurrection life, puts you some assets in the bank, puts you in Christ, and you get this wonderful standing in him, this new identity in, in the Lord Jesus Christ. And Paul says, stand fast in that liberty. Now, freedom Uh, and liberty to serve the Lord Jesus Christ, motivated by gratitude, motivated by love and appreciation for all that God has done for us in Christ. That's why Galatians 5, verse 6 goes on to say, For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision availeth anything nor uncircumcision. Um, The thing that makes you strong, the thing that will help you avail, be strong and overcoming in your Christian life is not religious performance. Not circumcision nor uncircumcision. Now, once in God's program and his dealing with the nation Israel, it made a difference whether you were circumcised or uncircumcised. Uh, if you go to Ephesians chapter number 2, uh, you'll see very clearly that there was a time past in the Bible where circumcision, Ephesians 2.11, Wherefore, remember that you being in time past Gentiles in the flesh were called uncircumcision by that which is called the circumcision in the flesh made by hands, that at that time you were without Christ being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who sometime were far off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. You see, there was a time in God's dealing, he calls it time past, when circumcision and uncircumcision absolutely made a difference. And if you were not of the circumcision, if you were uncircumcised, then you were on the wrong side of the middle wall of partition. You were without God, without hope. Without any promises outside of the of what God was doing, but Paul says God has changed that program. We don't live in time past; we live in the but now. He said, "Well, where is time past, brother Rick?" Well, go find in your Bible uh, where God was dealing with people on the basis of the distinction between the circumcision and the uncircumcision, and you'll find where uh, time past is. For example, Romans chapter 15 verse 8. Paul says, I say, that Jesus Christ was a minister, talking about his earthly ministry recorded in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, that Jesus Christ was a minister of the circumcision. In other words, in the earthly ministry of Jesus Christ, it did avail to be circumc- circum- the, uh, the, the circumcision. That's why he says to his apostles and the Uh, First great commission that he gave them in Matthew chapter 10, go not into the way of the Gentiles, don't go to the Samaritans, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Israel is the circumcision. It's the sign and the seal of the covenant God made with Abraham. And in Christ's earthly ministry, he said, Salvation is of the Jews, John four twenty two. He said, I'm not sent but to the lost sheep of the house of Israel, uh, Matthew fifteen twenty four. He made he, he conducted his earthly ministry on the basis of the, the advantage being to the circumcision and, and disadvantage to the uncircumcision. He, he he conducted his ministry on the basis of that distinction. Therefore, when I read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, I know that I'm in time past. I have no question about that, I know it. The early Acts period is the same. Peter, in Galatians chapter 2, verse 7 and 8, is identified as the apostle of the circumcision, preaching the gospel of the circumcision. You see, it's not until you come to Paul's epistles that you find this statement, that in Jesus Christ neither circumcision availeth anything nor uncircumcision, but faith which works by love. You see, in the dispensation of grace, there was a change that took place with the ministry of the Apostle Paul, a change in the dealings of God that moved from what the Bible calls time past to but now. And the now, neither circumcision availeth anything or uncircumcision. Now, in Christ Jesus, we're all just one. Galatians chapter 3, verse 27, Paul says, "...for as many of you as have been baptized in, into Christ." Have put on Christ. Now notice once again, there's a baptism, and it tells you what you're baptized in. And it doesn't say water, and it's not anything about water in the passage. It says, for as many as have been baptized into Christ, have put on Christ. My friend, there is no water ceremony performed by any priest, any preacher, any church, any person on the face of the earth that could put you into another person. The only kind of a baptism that can put you into Jesus Christ is a supernatural baptism, something beyond the physical realm. And that's why Paul says, by one Spirit are we all baptized into one body. It is God the Holy Spirit who baptizes us into Christ and into His body. Verse 28 says, There, in Christ, in the body of Christ, is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither bond nor free. There is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Now you know that physically there is still male and female; physically there is still bond and free, Jew and Gentile. But spiritually, because this isn't a physical baptism and a physical uh, situation, this is a spiritual reality. There, that we are all one in Christ people try to say that when you get saved today you become spiritual israel but that verse says that when you get saved today you you become a part of an of an entity in which there is no jew or gentile status well if there is no status of being a a jew or an israeli in the body of christ you're just one in christ and everybody's on an equal plane how could you be put into a spiritual body of believers where there is no Jew, and become a spiritual Jew, especially if you're a Gentile. (laughs) You know what that is? That's just religious hokum-pokum. That's what that is. That's that's just uh, religious confusion. you, you You know why you can't make any sense out of that? Because it doesn't make any sense. Paul says, stand fast in the liberty wherewith Christ has made you free. The freedom and the liberty that God's grace gives you to serve the Lord Jesus Christ, something you couldn't do before. Motivated by his love. Faith, which works by love. Faith, responding to all that God has done for you, a clear understanding, an intelligent understanding of God's God's word to you. Then your faith, working by love. Faith, working, responding, motivated by love, by an understanding of what God has done for us in Christ. You see, grace motivation is what counts in the dispensation of grace, not not ceremonial correctness, not religious status, circumcision, uncircumcision, all that business, but but the, a, a positive response to God's grace, to an, a, your response to an, an understanding of, of what God has done for you in Christ, and your faith, resting in an intelligent understanding of God's Word to you, motivated by God's grace, by what God has done for you in Christ, that's how the Christian life operates. When he says, stand fast, therefore, in the liberty where Christ has made you free. You know, sometimes people say, well, if, if you preach all that kind of stuff, Brother Rick, and you talk about the liberty that God has given us in Christ, you're just going to teach people to sin and to live in sin and that it doesn't make any difference if they sin. And I've said many times that, um, you know, grace doesn't mean that uh, that, uh Uh, God isn't interested in good works. Uh, Grace doesn't mean that God isn't interested in in, in producing good works in you. It just means that you don't get saved by good works. Uh, Grace isn't against good works. You you just uh, uh, do the good works for a different reason than you did uh, before. Uh, Ephesians 2, verse 8 and 9, everybody knows that. By grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourself. It's a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Well, the next verse, you ought to remember that one, too. Ephesians 2.10, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God before ordained that we should walk in them. See, God doesn't save us. He doesn't save us because of our works. He doesn't save us by our works. Uh, He saved work because of who we now are. We have had a change in identity, and so the activities of our life get changed also. Grace is... Is a, is, a, is a wonderful truth that, that, that serves because of the, the grace motivation is the motivation of love. That's why Galatians 5, verse 13, Paul says, For brethren, ye have been called unto liberty. And oh, can I tell you, liberty is such a wonderful thing. God loves liberty. God loves freedom. Because God lives, uh, he lives the free life. And we've been called unto liberty. We haven't been called to bondage. You haven't been called to uh, to religious tyranny and the rules and regulations to try to run your life so you can try to get something from God because you performed up to His standards and did the rules and had the regulations and you 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 dotted all the i's and crossed all the t's that the elders at the church told you to do. Now you've been called into freedom, but you know freedom has a risk of abuse. It's an awesome thing to realize that God is willing to take the risk that His grace might be abused. But He's willing to take that risk in order to provide freedom for us. The freedom to serve. Brethren, you've been called into liberty. Only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. You see... When, when a human life is infused with the divine presence of Jesus Christ, the quest for sovereignty is, is, is superseded by a compulsion to serve. And it's the life of Jesus Christ in us that accomplishes that. Paul said, I'm crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I but Christ lives in me. Now, grace makes a difference in our lives. Paul says the grace of God that uh, that bringeth salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and justly, looking for that blessed hope. God's grace teaches the believer to live in the present reality of our identity in Christ. It's not a struggle to bring your you know your state up to your uh, uh, up to your standing or your practice up to your position It's just simply by faith to accept as true literally absolutely this moment the perfect place that you have in Christ and thus to recognize and to reject as unworthy, of your present actual character and identity your old self and all of the things that the old self the works of the flesh would want to do and did and would want to do again in you and we use our liberty not as an occasion to the flesh not to just let let the flesh life reign but by love serve one another by motivated by by an appreciation for who God has made us in Christ to serve one another. You say, Brother Rick, but what happens when a believer sins? Well, actually that was what I was going to talk to you about today, and I got kind of thinking about these other things and talk a little bit about grace. So we'll talk about that next time in some detail. But can I say to you that uh, your, your forgiveness in Christ, your standing in Christ doesn't mean that sin doesn't affect you or that it doesn't matter. It does affect your your life on a daily basis and it can produce some negative impacts in your life on a daily basis. That's why he warns here. He says in verse 16, verse 16, if we walk in the Spirit, we will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Didn't, didn't say the lust of the flesh wouldn't be there. Just said it wouldn't be what operates in your life. When you walk in the identity that God gives you in Christ, walk in the Spirit, walk where the Spirit wants to, to lead you. How does he do that? Verse 18, Galatians 5.18, if you're led of the Spirit, you're not under the law, you aren't going to be watching your performance and your activities and and how well am I doing over there you're going to be looking at what God has done for you in Christ and I've used the illustration many times When when you understand that you are a saint of the most high God and as a saint of the most high God you see sin in your life what does that tell you? Well, it tells you what Romans six verse one to four says. It should tell you. It tells you there's something wrong in your life. You're living inconsistent with with who you really are. You know, if you're just an old sinner, you know, I'm just an old sinner saved by grace. Well, if that's what you think of yourself, and then you see sin in your life, does it surprise you? Why no. What else would you think a sinner would do but sin, fail. But when you realize that you're a saint of the Most High God, that you were a sinner, you were all those things, but now you're washed, now you're sanctified, now you're cleansed, justified. You've been set apart by God for the purpose for which you've been created. You're 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 a new creature in Christ. You're a saint. Well, if you see sin in your life as a saint, what does that tell you? <laughs> I just go out on the street corner and talk to anybody walking down the street and ask them what they think about sinning saints, and they'll tell you quick it doesn't make sense. They don't believe it's real. It can't happen. It isn't supposed to happen. So, what happens when you see sin in the life of a believer? You know immediately there's a problem, it calls it to your attention. And rather than excusing sin, The grace of God teaches you to deny ungodliness and worldly That's not who I really am. Those are the very things Jesus Christ died to put out of my life. Jesus Christ put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. Those are the things he died to put away so that I could put on his life and that it could be him living his life through me. So when I see sin in my life, or you see sin in your life as a believer, what does that do? It tells you, hey, I'm not living in the identity, in the reality of the identity of who I am in Christ, and those are the things that need to be put out of my life. And how do you do that? Well, he says, by love, serve one another. He says it's faith that works by love. You don't go re-crucify yourself. You just stand in in the reality of the present Liberty. You see, Calvary is the secret of the Christian life. Our faith standing in the facts of Calvary is what gives God the Holy Spirit the freedom to bring the finished work of Christ into our lives on a daily basis and for it to be Christ that lives in us. That's why he says in verse 19 of Galatians 5, the works of the flesh are these, and he lists them so that you can have no question about what's going on. Then he says in verse 22, but the fruit of the Spirit. And then he tells you how that looks. You know how you produce the fruit of the Spirit? You walk in the Spirit. You live in the reality of the identity of who God has made you in His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Can I say to you, there's nothing more wonderful in all, the, in all of life than to have God's word working in your life. As you walk, you just take your stand by faith on an intelligent understanding of who God has made you in Christ, and then stand there, walk there. And your faith, motivated by an appreciation of who God has made you in Christ. That's where victory. Quit trying to kill sin in your life. God did that for you at Calvary. Enjoy. Rest in. Stand in. By faith, claim as the reality of your life the new identity that you have in Christ, and let it be Christ in you, the hope of glory. Let me give you a free Bible study tape that will help you if you're struggling today with, with things to overcome in your life, and who among us isn't, this tape will help you. The tape is entitled, What to Do When a Believer Sins. We'll talk more about it next week, so you'll be here with us. But today, let me tell you, this tape will help you understand how to deal with sin in your life, how it impacts you, how, how you should respond to it, how to stop sin, whether it's outward fleshly things or whether it's attitude. Sins of the Spirit, how God has stopped sin's power in your life. It'll deal with the issues of forgiveness and the victory that God has given you in Christ. And most importantly, it'll help you to focus on future correct behavior. What to do when a believer sins. To receive your free copy, simply call me here at our toll-free number, 888-535-2300. That's 888-535-2300. Or, of course, you can write me here at at, at The Riches of Grace, Box 97, Bloomingdale, Illinois, 60108. That's The Riches of Grace, Box 97, Bloomingdale, Illinois, 60108. My friend, we also want you to know about Grace School of the Bible because we have a we have a rather uniquely designed 3-year Bible Institute program available on an extension basis. Our school is is unique in in several ways. First, we we follow the Pauline design for the edification of the believer in our curriculum. Rather rather than patterning our curriculum after the standard systematic theologies that are Uh, used by most Bible institutes and Bible schools and seminaries. we we followed a clearly designed outline and pattern for edification that's found in Paul's epistles. And what that does is it allows students to grow to maturity uh, the Pauline way and, and to quickly be prepared for the ministry that the Lord has for them. Another, another uniqueness of the great School of the Bible is that it 's offered on an extension basis through the use of a video in other words we we send the school to you rather than requiring you to come to us and what that does is allows you to enjoy the regular sound Bible teaching and edification in the comfort and convenience of your own home and to fit it into your own scheduling demands and the and the ministry that perhaps you already have where you are if you are or you have ever desired to be a serious student of God's Word, why not call us today for a free catalog? That number again is 888-535-2300. And let me also say thanks to those who are helping us to keep this program on this station. This is genuinely listener-supported radio, and I hope you're encouraged to know that there are folks in your area who love the Word of God rightly divided, and who rejoice in the message of grace and the joy of the grace life. My friend, if you don't have a fellowship to attend this week where the message of grace is taught from the rightly divided Word and the grace life is clearly proclaimed, call me, and we'll put you in touch with a group in your area where you can find that fellowship and encouragement. Our number again is 888-535-2300. Or, of course, you can write me at any time at The Riches of Grace, Box 97, Bloomingdale, Illinois, 60108. And, friend, if you're still not sure of salvation, that your sins are forgiven, and that you have eternal life as a present possession, be sure to let us know, and we'll be happy to send you some gospel literature that will make the way plain. That number, again, is 888 535 2300. Thanks for joining us today, and until we meet again this same time and place next week, Maranatha. I want to leave.
0: Orlando, we're open to help you lose up to 30 to 40 pounds in 40 days, helping you build a strong immune system, especially in these crazy times when you need it most. The Center for Disease Control states those at greatest risk are overweight, diabetic, and or have high blood pressure. With our step on a money-back guarantee, you'll drop the pounds, get healthy, and strengthen your immune system. Call 855-889-8446. That's 855-889-8446. And schedule your in-office or phone appointment or Visit BurnFatOrlando.com. Take the word with you wherever you go. The orlando.com Tune in. iHeart and Odyssey.com. We're everywhere you are. AM 990, FM 101.5. The word. A bigger where where and stronger voice hearing. for God's word is now here. 50,000 watts. The new AM 990 and FM 101.5. The Word. WTLN Orlando. Where faith comes by hearing. Portions of this broadcast hour are pre recorded. Make It Clear Ministries has sponsored this Make It Clear broadcast. Are you looking for truth from God's Word that you can understand and apply to your life? You'll find it today on Make It Clear with Dr. Stan Pons. Listen now as Stan makes it clear.
2: If you have your Bibles, I'd like you to open them up right now to the Gospel of John. And if you will, turn to John chapter 16. And I especially appreciated the worship songs today. Let the Spirit of God fall fresh on us. We talked about really having a heart turned toward Him and keeping our eyes on the Lord. And how important it is because the Lord says, that's why I'm here. I want you to be able to trust me. I want you to be able to lean on me. But sometimes we really don't lean on the Lord very much, and so what he does then is he creates situations in our life or permits these situations to come so that we get so desperate that we finally cry, Oh, God, help! And he always says, then, I'm right there for you. And I believe those are little lessons to a bigger lesson, and the bigger lesson is that blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord always, whether or not we have a crisis or not. I remember one time Carol and I were in a place called Pansy Alabama you know, Population 4, Hee Haw, if you remember that show. You know, there's hardly anybody in this little tiny town of Pansy, Alabama, except her family because there are farmers in southern uh, Alabama. And I was asked to speak on a, a television show live uh, interview thing in Dothan, Alabama. You probably haven't even heard of that either, but it went up to Dothan. And we had this little sports car, and I was so excited about this car. It's one of those little NGBs, and it putzed right around, had a uh, racing this and a racing that on, and it was at that early 20 age age. You know, and so I took this little sports car all the way from South Florida to Alabama and just had a great time. But on our way from Pansy to Dothan, and there was a time I had to be there, they were waiting for me, live TV show. The car.